Welcome to the Equip podcast from Cornerstone Church of Ames. This is a new podcast designed to help you live gospel-fueled lives and to be faithful in the places that Jesus has called you to. So my name is Saul Rexius. I'm the director of Salt Company here in Ames, and I'm with lead pastor Mark Vance. And today we're going to be talking about leading through stress. No matter what kind of leadership position you might have right now, we're all feeling a certain level of stress. And so I'm going to be asking Mark a few questions about both the dark side of leading through stress, but then some of the opportunities that come with that too. Uh, but before I get into some of those questions, I want to share with you a quick proverb that has been helpful to me in this season. It's Proverbs 29, 12. And it says, if a ruler listens to lies, all his officials will be wicked. Now, the point there that is applicable for us right now is that who you listen to and even what you tell yourself is really important for how you lead through stress. What that verse is saying is, man, whoever the ruler is listening to, that's going to be affecting the people around him. And so what we tell ourselves, where we're getting our information, who we're listening to, that's going to affect not only me, but also, also those who are looking to leadership from me. So there are both dark sides and opportunities that come from leading through stress. So Mark, why don't you just start off, like give us a few dark sides from what you can see right now. What are some of the dark sides of leading through this kind of stress and uncertainty? Yeah, Saul, this is one of those where um, I'm not so much studying a book to figure out what the dark side of leadership is. I'm just experiencing these things in my life and I've experienced them throughout my life in leading. And what I know is stressful times, what they do is they create a need inside of us to relieve the pressure. You know, you got to think of stress. Think of it like if you have water that you're boiling in a pot and, and you have a lid on top of it, that pressure of stress is just going to try to find a vent in some place and in some way. It's going to press the steam out, in other words. And so everyone, your stress is going to try to escape in some way. That boiling water is going to pressure you to some place. And it's really important for you to know, I'll call it knowing your dark side. So if you're one of those people who, if you've done the Enneagram, Saul, I don't know which one, I, I vacillate between whether I'm a three or an eight and so what I've done is just subtracted the three from the eight and decided that I'm a five, which is not true at all. I don't I'm think pretty that's sure the that's, way that works. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. You're right on there. That or you add them. Three plus eight, I'm an 11 on the Enneagram. Whatever it, whatever it is, but like Enneagram, the benefit of that as a test is that it actually informs you about the drives inside of you. So if you're an Enneagram 8, you have a huge drive to control your world. You don't want to be controlled, you want to control. And so what that means is in times of stress, the dark side for me is I really want to control everything. I'm going to obsessively try to gather information. I'm going to try to make sure I talk to everybody and get all the pieces to the puzzle put together. And so what that means is I know the dark side to the Enneagram is I'm going to try to over control. And then on the things that I cannot control, I'm going to try to compensate. I'm going to try to give myself some sort of burst of pleasure, you know, like an endorphin rush to compensate for the pain that I'm feeling. So I'll have a tendency to be overactive in eating. I'll have a tendency to overindulge in Netflix binging. I'm going to try to find some sort of outlet like that. So knowing the dark side of the way that stress manifests for me, 
can be really helpful because then I can build some habits and some systems in to avoid those things. I can know I'm going to need to sleep more than normal um, in times of stress. I'm Working out is, for me, really, really important. And so I think you just need to know there's a tendency toward that. The, the other two things that I'm finding uh, in my life is that stress, you need to understand, it limits your vision. Now, you can say that positively. Stress focuses you on what's most important. But the negative side of focus is that focus is actually an over-obsession or an obsession with a particular direction. Stress massively prioritizes. But it, in doing that, it makes you myopic. You're so focused on getting through the moment that you miss the people around you or you're not attentive to the feelings of others, or you don't even think about what your kids are thinking and feeling through this thing. So stress focuses you, but that focus is really limiting. And in particular, what I find is that stress limits your sense of your need for human activities. Like the things that drop off your to-do list are the things that make you flourish as a person. Friendships, relationships, sleep, uh, working out, Kids, marriage, conversation, having fun, laughter, in the middle of the battle, those things don't really matter. So all of your adrenaline and your energy pushes you to activity more than to humanity. So I just think having that consciousness that in a time of real stress, you're going to tend to want to react in a certain way, you're going to have limited vision, and you're going to have limited engagement in human activity unless you intentionally move a little bit the other way. I think that's really helpful to know that dark side. Right. Yeah. For me, I'm a three achiever. And so in times of stress, my instinct is do more, get ahead, beat the curve, you know, achieve, even in the midst of obstacles. Like, let's, let's, what can we do to get ahead? And so for me, just, it's not so much control anger. It, it really is more just overworking. And so one of the things I'm learning mm-hmm. is to, man, how do, even if I can't get like a full 24 hour Sabbath, like how can I learn to have Sabbath moments, you know, just the 20 minute yep. bike ride that go out and push my two year old daughter on the swing for, for a few minutes and just soak in the sun for a second, you know, like sometimes it's those Sabbath moments that I'm learning and I'm not there yet, but that's just yeah. something I'm learning about myself and my achiever mentality. Okay. So those are, yeah. those are some of the uncertainties some of the dark sides of leading through stress, but we, we also, there's some hope here. There is actually some beauty, even amidst the ashes. There is, there's a lot of ashes, but there's a lot of beauty too. And so what are some of the opportunities that you're seeing um, in this season of stress and uncertainty in leadership? Well, the first thing I think of is that stressful times and uncertain times unsettle normal. And uh, all of us need that from time to time. You know, like normal life is is really good in a lot of ways. But <clears throat> I think in stress, a lot of us are thinking, how do I get back to normal as quickly as possible? I just want to get through the pain of this moment. I want to get back to normal. That presupposes that normal is always good. And so what stress does is it affords you the unique opportunity to assess your normal. So right now, that's one of the things that Crystal and I are trying to do, Saul, in our home, is we're asking the question of, is the normal rhythm that we've had in our life and with our kids, is that good and flourishing? Because what stress does is it automatically like breaks the rut of normal, which gives you this opportunity to change at a pace and in a way that would have been really hard without the pressure to push you the other direction. So even 
uh, this time of like uncertainty, what I'm noticing is that desire for control, I can either let that own me or I can admit I don't own the world, I don't control the world, and it gives me a chance to pause and to pray. And so I'm trying to cultivate prayer in a way that the normal rhythm of my life wouldn't have afforded me the pressure to do that. So the pressure unsettles the normal. I think that's a huge benefit. Yeah, I was going to ask for some practical examples. So it sounds like prayer. I mean, I know for me personally, it sounds like you too. My prayer life has been, I would say, drastically improved uh, because yes, of this. Because there's just... You're, I, I'm so much more sensitive to my own weakness and neediness, but maybe give us like another example of something unsettling, like a new normal that you're finding in your rhythm, maybe at home or at work. Um, what's, what's a new normal that you're starting to find? So here's, I'll give you a family habit and a personal habit. So the personal habit is, um, I am finding it harder to get my mind to shut off at night. So I started reading books at night like not watching a screen, but reading a book. And what I found is actually I get to sleep better and I keep sleeping better. So um, that's just a little personal habit of like, I can't just digest information all the way into the point where I crash. I need to breathe and I need a break. So reading at night has been a new little habit. Another one for me has been I've started using a written journal a little bit more right now because I want to get out of the digital world and I want to do real things. And so writing with a real pen on real paper has been actually really helpful for me right now. Like a family habit on that has been um, every day determining what's a game or an activity that we want to do together to have fun. So we've prioritized fun and laughter together in the evenings, and that's been beautiful. And that's something that in the hustle and bustle of kids' soccer practices and all of that, we didn't have as much of. And so, look, I look forward to going back to soccer practice, but I think uh, a couple family game nights a week, that's going to be a habit that will stick for us. That's good. Yeah. Why don't you walk us through a few more of the opportunities that you're seeing or experiencing during this time of uncertainty? So you've got the shaking up of normal that lets you change habits in a faster way. But I think there's a couple of other big things I'm seeing. First, the stress and the uncertainty opens up new opportunities to act. Um, There's new, in the normal world, there weren't some of the opportunities that we had. I'm thinking of like even Cornerstone, the opening up of a digital way to engage with our services. We've been averaging well over 5,000 people now in a weekend coming into our online services. Now, I desperately want to get back to the normal of gathering as our priority. I think that always needs to be the local church's priority. But there are new options for reaching people. Even this podcast is an example of that. We didn't have this pathway to communicate open, and so the new opportunity of stress just forced new innovation, new new solutions that we didn't know we needed. And it also exposed some strengths sometimes that you don't know you have. It's really sometimes when you're really pushed, think of like sports, when you've got a great coach, the coach pushes you to where you think your limit is, and then they push you past it. Stress is like a coach. It's developing and creating endurance and character that normal life wouldn't. One example of that, so I thought of, was we've always said summer overseas trips for college students. 
where you, or even somebody who goes on a missions trip, it's like a sanctification gauntlet because you're so outside your normal experience, you, you're forced to be overseas for eight to 10 weeks. You have to navigate a new culture with new language and new food. And what do you do with these people you're around? And you don't really always know them. The stress creates an opportunity for growth that is like an instant pot of growth. You know the Instapot where like you can cook a roast from frozen to good in six and a half minutes? I don't know if that's the actual time frame, but somebody told me it was like that fast. But you put that stuff in the Instant Pot and what it is, it's a pressure cooker for cooking. <laughs> it's, it's all the pressure and all the heat is amplifying what would normally be happening. That's what stress can be for development of character. If you don't fight it, like fighting it means you're getting stressed about your stress. Instead of embracing, you're fighting against the stress. That's like trying to swim as hard as you can against the current that's pushing against you in, in a river. Instead, what if you turn and said, the stress is happening, I embrace that it's real, but I'm going to let it develop what it needs to. That creates an instant pot of character. Things are developing faster in the pressure than they would otherwise, but you have to embrace that. Yeah, it's definitely been a purification process I think for a lot of us and just realizing both at home and at work like what really matters I'm even finding like a practical thing our like discipleship rhythms have moved from more weekly to really a daily process checking in with people that um, I'm leading and that that's actually been good and even if when things get back to normal, I think there's some things like that frequent and honest and open communication that's happening right now. Like I want that to last even beyond some of the mm. restrictions of COVID-19. Yeah, that's awesome. So we've talked about some dark sides of leading through stress. We've talked about some opportunities. Um, let's just talk a little bit with our few minutes that we have left. Let's talk about navigating leadership in times of stress. Like there's a lot of people in a variety of different leadership roles, business owners, parents, discipleship leaders that we're leading in some way. What are some of the things that you're thinking through and that we can all be thinking through for how to lead well in this time of stress? So I am thinking first of this principle. There's like a few principles that I've learned to guide me through times of stress. First one is this one. Work on the big rocks first. Um, there's an analogy that has been used often in leadership material where it talks about if you had to fill this cylinder up and you had big rocks, little rocks, and sand, if you started by pouring all the sand in the bottom and then you put the little rocks in, what you'd find is there was no room for the big rocks to fit into that jar. But if the first thing you did in the cylinder was put the big rocks in first, then you dump the little rocks and then you dump the sand on top, what you find is that exact same cylinder that wouldn't hold everything suddenly does hold everything you needed because you started with the big rocks. So the big rocks are your top three most important tasks every day. So in a time of stress, you need to figure out what are the three things that I can do that have the most importance and impact and then do those big rocks first. So daily, one of the habits I'm doing, Saul, is just every day, write out a top three and start with the first one and get it done. And by the way, here's a little tip on that one. I put the most uncomfortable thing at the top and I force myself in the day I don't want to do it 
to do the most painful thing on my list first. That can be <laughs> that can be a bad principle, but I found in stress, I want to avoid pain. I want to maximize pleasure. And so the painful path, I should walk it with the most energy I have. And so start with the big rocks and put the <laughs> pointy rock at the top of the big rock list. So big rocks first is, is a key principle. The second one that I would highlight is determine in every situation whether you are dealing with a problem or a tension. And you need to solve problems. You need to manage tensions. If you want to magnify stress, what you do is mess those two things up. Try to solve tensions and manage problems. Okay? If you try to manage your problems, what you do is you prolong your pain. You have to solve the problem. But if you try to solve a tension, no matter how much energy you put into attention, the thing that makes it attention by nature is that it doesn't go away. It's not solvable. So if you try to solve a tension, you end up with perpetual frustration. If you try to manage a problem, you end up with constant anxiety and tension. So that's another, probably those two principles have, as a leader and as, just as a person, helped me a ton, Saul. Uh, big rocks first, solve problems manage tensions. And that takes discernment to step back in the moment and go, what am I looking at? Am I looking at a problem or a tension? Are, is my children, when they do homework, occasionally being annoyed with one another, is that a problem I must solve or a tension I must manage? And the simple reality is that is a tension. Okay. If you try to solve that, you end up screaming at your children, isolating them from one another, and completely blowing up your homeschooling environment because you're stressing the kids who are already stressed. So you can blow things up when you try to solve attention. That's that's one of the principles that I'm kind of working inside of right now. Um, I I got a couple other ones, but I wonder uh, what what for you though, Saul? Like you're navigating stress too right now. What do you go to as a default to help you navigate? Yeah, I think I think more in this season than in other seasons, I'm learning about leading by instinct. And that there's definitely some big decision, big rock decision that you, that you do need to stop and slow down on. But I think learning, okay, where can I just lead on instinct and not overthink, not second guess, not pull in too many people's advice on there's just sometimes I got to move quickly. I mean, I've, I've thought before and now thinking about it even more that sometimes, sometimes making decisions quickly is better than making them perfectly. And that's really hard for basically anybody. We want to make the yep. right, the best decision, but sometimes in crisis, there are, I guess what I'd say is this, there's only a few decisions you have time to, to make sure that you make the right one. Most of them, over 80% is things you just need to go by instinct and do, do things that are fast and quick. And, go, and that's things you don't prepare for right now. That's what God has been preparing you for mm -hmm. over the last decade, two decades. Yeah. So you know, instinct I leadership. Instinct leadership, I, the way I say it is have a disposition toward action. As a leader, in times of stress, you're going to think, I have to get the decision right. But most people don't need you to make the right decision. They need you to make a decision. And good leaders, this is one of the biggest myths you have, is that a great leader makes every decision right. They don't. They make about 50 to 70% of the decisions right. They're above the curve of right decision. Okay, But that's not 100%. 
And if they waited to make the right decision, they would have made indecision. And it's indecision, not bad decision, that kills people in times of stress because you need to keep ahead of the curve. And so what I say is have a disposition toward action. A plan vigorously executed is better than a perfect plan executed 20 minutes too late. So have a disposition toward action and just trust your gut in it. But I will say this. You do need to give yourself enough time to keep your mind clear enough to make those sort of decisions wisely. What, what I mean is I have found the most important moments in my day are what happens before I go into any sort of action. Like it is even more important in navigating times of stress to begin and end each day with the settled realization that I'm a child of God that I'm known by Jesus, that I am empowered by the Spirit. And so for me, even my time in the Word, the F-260 plan going through Joshua has been like water in the desert. It's been so timely, so important to me. And what it's done is it's gotten my mind clear and I've had a pen in my hand and I've been writing my thoughts out and just getting them out of my brain Your brain is an incredible processing engine. It is a horrible retention of information engine in times of stress. So the more you hold on the front of your brain and don't write down on paper, the more that you're going to not be clear mentally, you're going to be cluttered mentally. And so what I think is have a disposition to action, but to make those right decisions out of the gut, I need to do a few things to keep my mind as clear as I can in the moment so that I'm making good decisions with clarity. That's good. That's good. Begin and end each day as a child of God. That's probably a good summary of what we've talked about today, probably a good place to end. So thank you to all of you for joining us on the Equip podcast today, and you'll hear more from us in the coming days and weeks.